When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into the latest edition of the Sick Podcast of Draft Vogel. I'm John Vogel, your host, and today we've got another prospect joining us, and we're excited to get a chance to talk to him. But first, we got an intro to play. So we got the big guns in the studio, Sammy AC. Let's get this thing rolling. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, with the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the sickest NFL Draft show. It's going to be sick. And the sickest NFL Draft show is brought to you by DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code SICKSPORTS to get $200 instantly in bonus bets with just a $5 bet. Uh, get on top of that with Sick Sports, the code, on any NFL bet. we got the Super Bowl coming up. got Pro Bowl games. You can still get in on some prop bet action there. Jump on top of it uh, because right now the crown is yours. Uh, Jarvis. Mark Jarvis is in the studio with us today. And... Uh, we got you loaded up how are we doing man doing good man so i'm assuming you got a chance to look at our guests a little bit right a little bit not a whole lot but a little bit oh a little bit okay so i got you i got you uh trey knox is joining us now the tight end arkansas by way of south carolina he was at south carolina last year trey how's it going man it's going great how you guys doing we're doing great, man. We're awesome. And it, it, even better now that we got you in here. We can sit here and talk some ball, talk about you and your game. Uh, you just had the opportunity to play at the Hula Bowl. Uh, before we get into all that, I just want to make sure we got that out there. You had you were down there for the week in Orlando. Um, talk. Let's start us up with a little bit about you. Um, who is Trey Knox? Um, Trey Knox is a, a fun-loving guy. A uh, guy that loves the game of football from an early age, um, loves conversing with people and talking to people, um, just loves life, man. Um, just blessed to be in the position that I am um, because a lot of people don't get the chance to do this at all. Um, so I just try to take every day in stride and have the most fun as possible. That's a good way to live, man, because it's life can get crazy sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you just be like, hmm, this is nuts. But yeah. you get through it, man. You get through it every day. And uh, having fun, man, that's the way to do it. I love that. So how did you start playing football? Because I think, um, I don't know, some people have played their entire lives. Other people started like when they got to high school. What was was your journey into football? What did that look like? Um, My my dad was my first coach at the age of five years old. I've been playing football my whole life. Um, Only thing that stunk, though, is, you know, they had the weight limits. I was always bigger than everybody. So I was playing O-line. (laughs) fullback so I didn't really play a skill position honestly until I would play like a skill position every other year so I played running back one year then I'd be too big the next year 
Um, so then I had to play, I'd be a double striper. <laughs> I'd be playing center, snapping the ball and, and pulling and all kinds of stuff. It was just, it's crazy. But I played football my whole life. Just, I loved the game since I was young. So when you think about how you played all, like all those different positions, and I understand it's like a, you're playing as a kid, but does that help you, you know, when you start to settle in on a position, when you get into high school, you get a little bit older, that experience, does that sort of mold you as a player? Uh, definitely, because uh, you get to decide what you don't want to do and what you want to do. So that's the <laughs> biggest thing that helps. Yeah, I don't want to put my hand in the dirt too much. Every single play, I don't think I'm built for all that. So, But uh, it definitely helps just knowing the concept and how the game works uh, at a basic level. Um, but it's just simple understanding, you know, that uh, that a lot of people know, that football people know. Um, but at that age, you don't really get deep into it. It's just really run right and run left, <laughs> hit this guy and hit that guy. So, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no. So you played Blackman. You were a four-star coming out. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you were more of a wide receiver in high school, weren't you? No, I, I, I played wide receiver my first three years of college, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so – Making the transition to tight end, I think, is kind of going to be something that's going to have, people are going to have, have interest in you for, right? Because you got you're still in that sort of, you know, that that range right there where we talk about big slot, able to play some inline, but really more utilize you as a wide receiver. So, is that something, you know, blocking and those kind of things? Is that something that you like to do? I love to block. Uh, I think it's the most underrated part of my game, honestly. Everybody knows that I can run around and catch a ball, but I'm not afraid to go and be in the trenches and stick my face in there and, you know, be nasty. So, Jarvis? Um, pulling back a little bit here, you mentioned that your dad was your first football coach, and I was looking at your profile on the roster page, and I noticed that your uh, your name's William Knox III. Sorry to pull – instead of using Trey, but um, – can you talk about your relationship with your dad at all? What impact has he had on your life and and, and – terms uh not just in that but specifically in football how has he kind of guided you through that um definitely i mean football was his favorite sport when he was growing up he just wasn't blessed enough to be able to play um had a brain tumor at a young age and so just wasn't allowed to play contact sport so his love of the game bled through me so um being able to be in the position that i am i know it makes him very proud and he tells me all the time uh, so I'm just glad that I can make him proud and make him happy to go around and tell people that his son is doing this um, because he sacrificed a lot for me to be in the position that I am right now, working overtime, taking me to camps, training, all kinds of stuff just to get me to where I, I am today. Keep going, Jarvis. <laughs> I know you got more. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's, it's such a – not to be like that's a jarring answer. I didn't expect it. You know, it's such a such a. Um, it's I beautiful. Mean, yeah, it, it really is, and that's one of the things. Is like you know, you know, you never really know what type of relationship a person has with their parents. So you hear something like that, you're like, oh wow, like that tells you a lot about just the type of person he is and the type of environment that you were raised in. Um, going a little bit forward here, you mentioned that you know you played wide receiver early on through your college career, kind of late shifting towards more tight end stuff. Can you talk about how that transition went? Just kind of what the overall process was getting more into that traditional tight end type role. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I had a – came to, went to Arkansas, played receiver my first year. Had a pretty decent freshman season. Actually, really good freshman season. I remember uh, it, too. Yeah, we were talking about you a lot. Yeah. Uh, COVID comes around 
that year was trash for everybody. And so I had a bad year. Um, then 2021 comes around in a position battle. Um, some things don't go my way. Ended up getting benched like right before the season. Um, so then I just decided, hey, man, the writing's on the wall. Let's just, you know, move to tight end. I've been told my whole life that, bro, you're going to end up playing tight end anyway. Uh, so I was like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and try this thing out because I just wanted to get on the field. So learned, uh, moved to tight end, learned how to play tight end in about two weeks, a week and a half. And then um, so 2021, I started the first game at receiver and then I played tight end week five. It was like actually getting meaningful reps at tight end. So I learned I take in information very quickly and fast. I download stuff uh, very quickly. So it wasn't really that hard of a problem. The only thing that I really had to learn was just the running, the run blocking, the run scheme, all that stuff. Um, and once I did that, I mean, I felt comfortable, just had to learn how to block because I didn't realize how difficult it actually is. I thought it was just getting in the way of people, but no, you have to have good feet, good hands, good hat placement, good leverage. Like it's a whole process to be able to block somebody across from you. So doing all those things and just trying to improve every day um, as a tight end, because I, I believe that my best days of playing tight end are still ahead of me. Um, so I'm just excited to, to keep playing the game of football. Anytime I think you make a position change like that at that point of your career, yeah, you there's so many different little nuances to play in every position that you that you it takes a long time to pick up on them and it just takes experience and reps and that's what you're still building on. So yeah, there's definitely definite upside there, right? Um when you talked about, you know, that what that process was in learning the different run blocking schemes and and all those different things. What was the most challenging aspect of going from wide receiver to tight end for you? Um, probably the physicality. I mean, I feel like that's the most glaring, obvious answer. You know, blocking from all the way outside to blocking uh, first-round guys and guys that are 250, 60, 70 pounds, it's completely different. So just being able to bring enough stuff with you, um, in between the tackles was just uh it's just like a whole new world out in there um that i wasn't used to but once i got used to it it's i mean it's just like anything else once you do it enough you're comfortable doing it when this is not quite put this is not quite like your game this is more so playing at arkansas and then going to south carolina because coach Pittman came into arkansas and really did some awesome things with his culture kind of flipped that that was a fun team to watch in 2022 you know so when you made that when you had the decision and you made the decision to go to south carolina what kind of led into that and you know how did the coaches in arkansas kind of take that you were going you know to the other side of the sec yeah um well i think that the most the easiest factor i thought of was my position coach, so Dow Loggins. Coach was a longtime NFL coach. He took the offensive coordinator job at South Carolina, and he was my position coach. And, I mean, we're locked in for life, like family members. So uh, I thought it was a no-brainer, just, hey, my guy is sliding, so I'm going to slide with him. And uh, and that's how it was. And it also didn't hurt that half of our coach staff was leaving anyway. 
Like all the coaches, <laughs> like, uh, Barry Odom took the offense. I mean, the head coaching job at UNLV. Uh, he and I are, are really close. And then Mike Shearer, who was our linebackers coach, is the DC there. So we had a lot of guys. We had a lot of coaches. I mean, Kendall Browse ended up taking another job. So we had a lot of turnover in the staff. So it didn't really, it wasn't really hard to get out of there. Um, but I just had to, I felt like that was the best decision for myself. Jarvis? Yeah, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned COVID year kind of sucked for everyone. Can you talk about that at all? What, what sucked about COVID year? Well, I had a horrible <laughs> season one, so let's just get that over with. Um, boo-boo season. Um, just went through a lot of hardship with, you know, between family, uh, my dad having a stroke and um, having brain issues. Um, so that obviously didn't help. And then just the whole process of COVID, not people not being in the stands, um, it just weighs on you, man, not being able to interact with people. Um, the way that you normally do. And then also the thing that you love to do is also not going well. So it's just a lot of stuff going on. Did you have to get so, quarantined or anything during that time? Yeah, like three times, but I never got COVID. It made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think most of us were sitting there watching college football going, yeah, that's not making much sense at all. But yeah. um, we'll talk a little bit about that too with the stands, right? Because – how much of an impact do the fans play in the SEC? Oh, I mean, a lot, especially when our defense is on the field and their offense is out there and it's a crucial third down. Not being able to hear the snap count goes a long way. And also when we're trying to get something done and, I mean, we fall start. I remember um, at Arkansas, we played Georgia 2021. We fall started the first two plays of the game. Yeah. Because we were right in front of the student section. So we the first snap of the game, it was first and 20. Yeah. <laughs> and we gave up a sack that play. It was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's just going to be – and that's Georgia. Yeah. You know, they're, going to, they're winning natties, and you're just like, okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the crowd definitely plays a lot. So, when you're able to hear your quarterback say set, go every play, also it, it calms you because you're not as nervous and like, oh, what's going on? I got to look at the ball like, ah. But when you can hear everything that's going on, sometimes you don't want to hear you hear some stuff that you don't want to hear. Um, somebody might be talking crap in the interior, and you'd be like, "Oh, hey, yo, like some foul stuff." <laughs> but you know, sound plays a difference in a, a lot of areas: communication, uh, getting the right plays, uh, running the right routes. Because sometimes the quarterback might check, and if everybody don't get checked, then we look like dummies. So. At the okay, risk, so, let me let me ask this, and and yeah. you can you don't have to say it if it's too much for this show. We're, we're, we we got to be a little bit you know family friendly here. I feel like you have a very particular instance in your mind of something someone said on the interior, and you heard it because there was no crowd. Can you no, share that, that or is that too foul for this? It's 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 definitely rated R. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so just R, not NC seventeen. No, just R. I don't okay. think it's too crazy. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I have like best trash talkers I that I ever heard about was uh, at least the most intimidating was Philip Rivers because he never cussed and he still made you feel bad. That's what I've always heard. So, you know, that's one thing about trash talking. Uh, go ahead, Jarvis. I'm sorry, Mike. I, this question will pop back in my head. Do you trash talk at all? <laughs> Uh, I don't really talk much unless I'm spoken to. I'm one of those guys that try to just be 
chilling. But if I get in that mode, it's weird though, because sometimes I'll get uh, really like mad, and then it's just like I start doing saying anything. <laughs> I might hit you in your like if I chip you and knock you in your butt, like get the oh, like, you just start going <laughs> off. And there's sometimes where my coach would be like, "Hey, calm down, dog. Like you good?" I was like, "Yeah, but I just got turned up a little bit." But I do have that switch. It just I don't have it all the time because I think my head would probably explode off my neck if I did. <laughs> so, so last question about SEC stadiums because I mean, like South Carolina in a night game is pretty freaking lit. Yeah. I, I'm a Vols fan. I don't know if you can tell. I don't know if I have any Vols stuff behind me. So, like when we went in there in 2022 and watched that game, like like you, I know you weren't there for that one, but that was a tough game. They got beat by two or three touchdowns, and it was just the crowd was insane. The atmosphere was insane. So you've been in some pretty darn crazy environments in the SEC, you know, on the road, going to different games. Out of all of those places that you've been, which one sticks in your mind the most? Probably uh, Death Valley for sure. Baton Baton Rouge is a tough place to play, especially at night. Because uh, I played there twice my career, and they were both night games. And one was my freshman year when we played, you know, Joe Burrow and them boys when they won the Natty. And that place was just insane. Shaquille O'Neal was there, like the whole nine yards. Like, it was wild. And then I played them again two years later, and we won in overtime, uh, walk-off field goal. So I remember that. That was a good one. That was a so classic. I think I think that stadium for sure. Neyland. I only played in Neyland once, but golly, I mean, it was rad. yeah, that was yeah, that was that was, that was yeah, yeah. No, Death Valley it's is probably those two for sure. Yeah, yeah, Death Valley and Neyland. That's good to know. That gives me hope next year, man. Uh, <laughs> so when we talk about you, is your with your skill set, and so uh, what is the thing that you take the most pride in with your game? Uh, just trying to be physical. Like I don't want to look soft. Uh, I think the things that I live by the most is uh, being smart, tough, and dependable. I think those are the big three things that encompass my game is I'm going to know what to do. I'm going to know how to do it, and I'm going to do it under pressure. So um, being smart, tough, and dependable. I'm not going to miss practices or games unless I'm just completely jacked up. Um and then I'm going to know what the, everybody does. I mean, there's a couple plays out there where Spencer doesn't know the O-line verbiage, and I'll have to call the play to the O-line. Like, it's just what I do. Um, and then being dependable, just trying to make the right play, right read, do the right assignment every single play. Uh, I'm not going to be perfect every play no man is, but I'm going to strive to be that. Jarvis? Yeah, you said you're not going to miss any time unless you're really messed up. Um, you missed two games this past year due to injury, right? Yeah. So can you talk me through that process at all? What what kind of was going on this year? If you can share that and, and how did you get through that? Yeah, I got banged up all year long. Uh, it started in camp, had an MCL sprain going into the first game, like literally the week of the first game. Um, so when, didn't play that game at 100% then get my ribs bruised against uh, Mississippi State week four. Uh, then MCL injury again the next week. Then we go to play Texas A&M week 10 and just partially tore my hamstring in the middle of the game. <laughs> and then I hurt myself again 
against Clemson the last game of the season. I just I was getting cooked out there. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I I tried my best to come back um, as quickly as possible, especially from the hamstring tear. It was a grade two. I mean, not and it was right there where it connects to my bone and my butt. So literally, probably one of the worst spots you could hurt yourself. And I mean, I was in agony for a couple of days. Couldn't walk up the stairs. Our team meeting room was upstairs. So like walking up the stairs sucked. Um, trying to go to the bathroom was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> was horrible. So, uh, I was in agony for, I mean, a couple of days. I missed uh, the game the week of the next week. And then I suited up for the next game just because we were back in um, conference play. But I probably – I was definitely not ready to play that week. Um, but I just felt like it was important to at least show everybody that, hey, like, I'll play if you need me to um, type deal. And then um, finished out the, the last two games. Um, had a false hamstring on, like the whole band wrapped around my leg just so I wouldn't, you know, extend too far running. So – uh, and then I hurt my knee against Clemson, missed like the whole first half on a uh, got hit low, didn't see it. MCL injury again. And I had to they had to go get I had to get shot up at halftime to play the rest of the game because I knew I wouldn't miss. And like this could po- that could possibly be my last game. I wasn't going to miss it for anything. Yeah. So they ran across ran across street, got my knee brace and I got shot up at halftime and finished the game. It wasn't pretty, but I was out there and that's all that matters. Was it your hardest season so far, just in terms of fighting through injuries and all that? Oh, for sure. Because when I was at Arkansas, I I missed two games in four years. And that's only because the coaches held me out, not that I was injured. Um, Because I sprained my ankle uh, 2021, but we played uh, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. So the coaches were like, hey, we scored 45 in the first half, and we don't need you to play this week. Um, So just – two games in four years and then going to missing two, really three games. Cause I'm, I missed the second half of A&M and the first half of Clemson. So I count those two. So really like three whole games that I missed in a year. And it doesn't, it doesn't add up because I don't usually get hurt. Or if I do, it's not bad enough to where I'm not playing through it. Like uh, the rib injury I was telling you about, like, the following three games after that, I was getting shot up every, before every game just to numb it. Um, and then I'd get a pad wrapped around my whole body just to play out there. So I wouldn't at least try to feel anything. And those rib injuries are tough, you know, because Bro. it's so sensitive at all, all the time. It's, I don't, I don't wish, I ain't gonna, I don't wish that on anybody, the rib or the hamstring injury. That rib is <laughs> like, bro, we can't even, I couldn't even sleep. I roll over and just wake up. I'm like, golly. So you got the opportunity to go down to the hula bowl. Talk talk about that process a little bit and the advantages that you felt, the, the things that you were able to enjoy down there in Orlando for the week. And, uh, you know, maybe if you want to talk about some of the teams that you talked to. Um, so I didn't stay down there the whole week because I'm still recovering my hamstring right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went down for like two days, um, talked to almost, I think, like – 20 some odd teams um, uh, just because I felt like it was important to get down there and talk and at least show my face to people. Um, 
So if you couldn't tell, like I like interviewing, this is what I'm good at. And like, I want to be in front of the camera once I'm done playing ultimately. So, oh, see, see, yeah, no, we know some people. We can hook yeah. you up. Yeah, might have to put me on for real. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I feel like I knocked those out of the park, but I was just, you know, it's just this this process is stressful. Um, not knowing where you're going to live, not knowing who's going to take you, if anybody even likes you. like, uh, So it's just hard to, you know, to be focused and be where your feet are. And I think uh, that that's one thing I'm trying to do a good job of is just, hey, man, enjoy the process. Um, because everybody, like a lot of people don't get to do this, honestly. Um, and good thing that this only happens one time because I don't think I could take it ever again because it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, but I'm blessed to be a part of this situation and that I'm able to even go through and be on this show with you guys. Like, so I'm just, I'm just extremely blessed. Absolutely. Jarvis, you got anything else? Yeah, I got a couple things I want to throw out here. So first off, you mentioned, you know, that after you get done with football, you're interested in kind of getting into this sort of thing. So I noticed you got your degree in communications, right? So two things here. Can you talk about that a little bit and just kind of, you know, where you see yourself in the future if football ends up not working out or way after your playing career is over? And then number two, I say this as a fellow communications graduate, so I'm not trying to be mean here. Uh, you're uh, SEC fall academic honor roll three times in a row. How much does your academics mean to you? Uh, and I say that acknowledging that it was a communications degree, so we're not out here doing engineering, that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, um, definitely uh, once I'm done playing ball, um, Definitely want to be in front of the camera somewhere. Uh, I think, I don't know. T- Tony Romo is probably one of my favorite like broadcasters, just the way that he it's... explains the game. And I feel like I do that a lot. Like uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, who was playing Detroit and the Rams? Oh my God. Was it? Was it the? It was the. Uh, it was the uh, the whole controversial. Uh, Frank Ragnall. Oh, Cowboys. 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 There we go. Yeah. And I was standing in my best friend's living room. I was like, yeah, they're about to do a throwback to the the, the lineman here. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. They was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, uh, you know what's going on right here. I was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm on my Tony Romo stuff. Uh, so I think I would love to be that right there. Um, definitely a sports broadcaster running a show. But also I love what Shannon Sharp does and just all the avenues that he, he pursues in the podcast and the uh, being on television. It's just, it's just so much that you can do nowadays media wise that like the possibilities are endless. So. And then, Oh yeah. My grades. Uh, <laughs> I forgot almost uh, uh, very important though. Cause uh, when I was younger, even my dad was like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta actually try in school. Um, he always made this point to me, like, if your grades start doing bad, I'll personally go up to the coach and say, you're not playing football no more, and he need to get his grades up. So I took that to heart. So, um, I mean, graduated with, like, a 3.7 GPA, like, high GPA. Um, went to class, tried my hardest, even in high school. I graduated high school a semester early, but I had 15 credit hours, college credit hours. So uh, just tr- always tried to go – above and beyond in the classroom as well, because I also think that if one aspect aspect of your life is offered, then 
uh, it also bleeds over into other aspects of your life. So I try to handle my business everywhere. Gotcha. I got two more for you here. And uh, number one, I'll go with you said, you know, you're watching that that Cowboys Lions game. You're like, they're about to throw back to the, the uh, offensive lineman. How'd you know that? What were you watching? What tipped you off? Honestly, just the situation, because actually I was like, I would go for two here. And then they ran the offense, but they kept the offense out there. I was like, OK, what does it look like? Jumbo set. So this is probably a throwback to the tackles. But I was really calling a lot of the plays the whole two minute drive before they even scored. Like I remember saying uh, we got a tight end choice route right here. And then Sam Laporta ran the exact play that I was talking about. Um, so I just lo- I just love the game of football and just analyzing and seeing myself, visualizing myself making plays as well. So, uh, I mean, football's my life. I mean, I'm more than a football player, but football is what I do. Sounds like Ben Johnson needs to get this guy wherever he ends up. <laughs> I'll throw one more out here, too. And this is kind of a, a white shirt gang, too. I... I have a white shirt underneath. I'm always wearing white shirts. I see you got a white shirt on. You always wearing white shirts. You always wearing plain stuff. You you like to dress up nice. What what, what do you? What's your wardrobe look like? Uh, a lot of uh, Lululemon, um, and a lot of white t-shirts. I ain't gonna lie. I wear a white t-shirt like every other day. My primary colors I dress in white, black, and gray. I think those are the three best colors ever. Uh, I mean, I got great. I got black pants on right now and a white shirt, and that's the majority of what you're gonna see me in. And, uh, either like some Birkenstock sandals or some Nike slides is about it. But I can't, I can't, you know, get clean when the when the occasion calls for it. But just not all the time. But I do got some fits though. I got some fits for. Got to, got to in this in this economy. Got to. <laughs> no, so uh, I guess my last question for you is: when you, you know, you've already started the NFL interview process, going to Hula. But, you know, you got a few more events that are up ahead of you. At least your pro day, probably some top 30 visits and stuff. When you go into these conversations with NFL teams, what are they getting in Trey Knox? Uh, definitely a guy that works hard, guy that loves football, um, and a guy that just wants to get better every single day. Um, and is not content on being where he is right now, but striving to be where he wants to be in the future. Um I'm going to learn. You can't ever stop learning. Uh, so I'm just going to try to soak everything in as much as I can and just be the best person and football player I can be day in and day out. Awesome. Jarvis, you got anything else there? Um, one last thing I throw out. I know you mentioned kind of when you're talking about, you know, it's stressful not knowing where you're going to be and, you know, do teams really like you? Do they have any interest in you? I will say I would almost guarantee you. You know, you went to the Hula Bowl, you you know, a longtime starter in the SEC, productive. They like you. It's just a matter of how much. Yeah, so exactly. don't, don't doubt that at all, man, ever. Don't ever doubt that. Teams teams are going to like you. For sure. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Absolutely. Hey, so thank you for joining us. I definitely appreciate the time. Stick around with us for just a second. Uh, but first, AC, Sammy, let's wrap this thing up. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.